0: What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Rights Podcast, a product of SB Nation, pro quality from a fan's perspective. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and today we are talking Summer League and Rondo with Hoops Habits' Charles LaRocca. But before we get to him, I want to remind you to check back tomorrow morning and Tuesday morning for exclusive interviews with Real GM's Keith Smith and Pelican Summer League head coach Jamel McMillan. Super excited to talk to these guys. As always, you can find our pod on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn, and do us a favor. While you're there, go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. But for now, let's just get to Charles. You guys, it's time to phone a friend. And now we welcome onto the pod Charles LaRocca of Hoops.
1: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
0: Contact Cordell, Cordell.com. 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404.
2: What's up, Charles? What's up, Preston? Happy to be back on the pod. Um, a lot of new Pelicans news coming out. We've got our first free agent signing of the offseason.
0: We do have a lot of awesome, late-breaking news. We brought Charles on because he is our eyes and ears in Las Vegas. He is at Summer League once again. But before we get started, I have to start a beef with Charles. The last time he was on this pod, we made a commitment to each other to go see Transformers 5 and Charles bailed. What do you have to say for yourself, Charles?
2: I couldn't go through with Transformers 5. Um, I got to the theater. Some of my buddies, we we saw Transformers. We, We couldn't pull the trigger. But. Uh, Talking to you, uh, it lived up to expectations, so maybe not the best choice.
0: (laughs) I I will say that I enjoyed myself, but I will not say that it was a good movie. What did you end up seeing instead?
2: Uh, Just Spider-Man. So uh, we, we kicked it up a notch. Yeah,
0: that's a much better choice. I don't blame you at all for that. Again, Charles is the Pelicans beat writer for Hoops Habit, and he's in Las Vegas right now. Charles, before we get started talking about the Pelicans, just uh, take me through. You've you've been to a couple of summer leagues now. How has it grown in in your time and your experience there? It
2: it, it started off as kind of just like a – not really a spectacle. It's become a spectacle where – this is something like a big date in the NBA offseason now. Summer League it is, it is like a full-fledged. It, it kind of came into its own as an event. Where before it was just, it was just uh, a bunch of rookies playing. It wasn't really uh, the, the, the the there's not many more fans there. But so I I, I attribute it to a big part of uh, the Lakers becoming a bad team because. Back, back then, the Lakers were a good team, so they didn't get into good rookies. Now that the Lakers get a lot of good rookies, a lot of Laker fans come come over to watch the games now to see to get a first crack at rookies like D'Angelo Russell or Alonzo uh, Ball this year. And when that happens, uh, it just creates a great atmosphere. The fans are really into it. And now you're seeing even celebrities going to summer league games. And it's become, in like Las Vegas, it's become like the summer NBA site, you know? Because I think USA Basketball comes out to Las Vegas. You have Summer League now. So you get all these big-name players coming over to the city. It attracts fans. It's been awesome, to be real with you. It's awesome.
0: You mentioned some of the celebrities being spotted at the games. And uh, being Pelicans fans, it's been uh, well-documented that Boogie showed up at some games, AD, Del Dem, Alvin Gentry, Jordan Crawford. Is it becoming more and more commonplace to have uh, NBA players coming to watch the younger guys at Summer League? And, and what are some of the other uh, high-profile names that you spotted in the stands?
2: Um, well, for one, that's something I've actually noticed for a long time. Once again, I probably think it's because USA Basketball works out here in Las Vegas. A lot of these superstars in their off time, they just come and watch, you know, catch a game. Uh, And it's kind of everyone's in one area, so you get to see a lot of people that you probably don't usually see. So that's cool. And um, from who I've seen besides uh, Pelicans players like AD and Boogie, I've seen DeMar DeRozan, guys like Norman Powell. Um, I believe believe J. Cole was at the uh, Summer League the other day. We have the balls, of course, are there. Um, Yeah, and and pretty much all NBA media personality, anybody you name it, was there. Uh, It's a ton of guys. Every year, though, it's it's been like that.
0: Uh, Who are some of the fun people that you got to rub? This will be the last question on this, and then we'll actually get to basketball. Who are some of the people that you got to bump into, and what, what are the general conversations that take place in Las Vegas? Is it all just rumors about transactions?
2: Yeah, it's usually rumors how guys are gonna fit into the off season. Um, a guy I want to shout out is uh, he works at a, he writes for Cabell Kingdom, uh, Manny Vietas. He, he he gave me a lot of advice over at Summer League, and he's doing big things over there for himself. He kind of is the one that got me started into this uh, to the NBA Twitter, the blogging. So seeing him is always cool. It was great catching up. But yeah, most of the conversations are just how. Uh, How do you think this guy's going to do for your team next year? Or or where did you see from him? It's really cool stuff. Cool, man. Let's get to basketball. We're going to start with
0: some grades for some of our guys. And I want you to tell me some positive things that you saw and some not-so-positive things. And obviously, we're going to start with Chuck Diallo because, uh, like Jamel McMillan said, the Summer League head coach, this is all about him. And Quinn Cook ended up showing out too. But uh, pretty much every Pelican's eyes going into Summer League – was towards the development of Chek Diallo, Elvin Gentry, and uh, Dell Demps. Kind of considered him our first-round pick this year, being that they gave up so much last year to get him. And he sort of redshirted his first year. He averaged 19 and 10, 50% six uh, percent from the field, 80% from free throw. Uh, obviously, he improved greatly offensively. Still had a, a lot to show on the defensive court or a lot to improve, should we say? Give us a grade for his overall performance and tell us some positives and some negatives that you walked away. Uh, from his performances
2: with? Um, I have to go with an A because he, he, he I think, exceeded expectations. Like, we expected him to play well, but he he came in and pretty much dominated and led the summer league team like we all wanted. Offensively, he displayed a soft touch. He was uh, named, knocking down hook shots, running hooks, post hooks. He was hustling, running the floor very well. Uh, he, and he was going up against top-notch rookies. He was going head-to-head with guys like John Collins, who was a top pick this year, first-round pick this year. So he was doing this against, you know, uh, other NBA-quality guys, and his offensive game looked very impressive. Defensively, he, he was communicating, which was – I you could hear him communicating on the court. He missed rotations. I would say the biggest negative is his willingness to still uh, bite for pump fakes And when he steps up on, like, a pick and roll or a hedge, he doesn't really know. He can sometimes be lost, but he he has the athleticism to make up for it. Like, I think the next step for him is just going to be being able to be more consistent with his defensive rotations and um, being more disciplined when it comes to biting on pump fakes. But overall, I think you leave the summer league thinking, wow, this guy can be a rotation player for me this year.
0: And that, that was the goal going into this. Uh, not that he was going to be an, an all-star this upcoming season or a starter. Uh, we just wanted some meaningful minutes, maybe up to 20 a game, because the Pelicans haven't added another big man into that rotation like Terrence Jones. We're still waiting to hear on Dante Cunningham. However, you did mention he improved in communication on defense. However, you mentioned missed rotations, uh, biting on pump fakes, getting lost in pick and rolls, just general on-court awareness, not being there yet defensively. If we learned anything from the playoffs, this last year is that teams will find the weak spot in your defense and they will relentlessly attack it do you think do you think being a meaningful rotation player next year we're we're going to take a lot of damage on the defensive side of the floor with check dialla in the lineup do you think he's going to get played off the floor
2: um i think there'll definitely be some up and down games I, i think consistently you could expect him to be a contributor He's a bench big. He some nights he's gonna have it going. Some nights he's not. I, I think it, it's really gonna be matchup based on when it comes to Chip Diallo next year, which is which is fine. I don't think he's gonna be a guy that kills you when he comes into when he comes into the game. And and the best thing for him is just playing. The more he plays, I think the the more crisp he's gonna get on those those uh those issues he has on defense because he still is a guy that hasn't played basketball for a very long time when comparing him to a lot of pros. So uh, the biggest thing for him is just getting on the court and getting that report down with the other guy, the other guards on the perimeter, and continuing to improve. And I think that comes through. You said play 20 minutes a game. Whether or not he's struggling or not, you kind of stick through it. And because you know he's going to give you flashes of brilliance because he's done that every every time he's been uh, given an opportunity.
0: All right, let's move on down to Quinn Cook. He's another guy who really showed out, averaging 21 and 5, 55% shooting. Uh, more like a, a, a Reggie Jackson type player, uh, a scorer, a slasher, mid range, three pointers. Didn't really finish uh, all that well at the rim, and he led the league in turnovers. Uh, not great man-on-man defender because he lacked a little bit of size, but uh, his shooting and his confidence leading the offense were definitely there. Give him a grade. Talk about some of your positives and some of your negatives.
2: A big thing that I was looking for with Quinn Cook is his, what role is he going to really play in the Pelicans? Is he really going to be the elite guard? I don't think so. I think, when that bench unit, I think you'll see Jordan Crawford doing a lot more of the ball handling and Quinn uh, Cook spotting up in the wings. So seeing him shoot well was very, like, encouraging. He, this guy's a good shooter. Anybody who watched him in the summer league or watched him, period, knows hey, that guy can really shoot the ball. But bonus, he showed that he can uh, go one-on-one against the guy a little bit. He can create space on step backs. He has He can get into the lane and finish. Uh, occasionally, So he showed a lot more wrinkles to his game that I don't think a lot of people knew he had on offense. Uh, the biggest thing for him is uh, defense. Defense was, was a little bit underwhelming. He kind of struggled coming through pick and rolls. Guys, guys were kind of going at him in the pick and roll when he was on defense. Um, as you said, his turnovers were... Are very high, but I kind of don't really, I think as kind of noise because one is summer league, you're throwing together uh, a bunch of ragtag rosters, um, less talented players. So uh, turnovers are kind of expected, especially since he was doing primarily ball handling duties. But when you come to, when you look at it, I think you're encouraged with Clint Cook because what he's going to do in the league is just spot up and shoot and be a secondary ball handler occasionally. I think he showcased he can very much do that role. The big thing for him is going to be: can he be a consistent defender next to Jordan Crawford in the second unit? Because neither of them are very good defenders. So that's something that you have to kind of um, watch going forward. Like, can these guys contain other players? And and when the boogie AD or the stunt units on the floor?
0: Yeah, that that's interesting too. We'll have to talk lineups a little bit later. Um... Possibly pairing one or both of them with Drew Holiday to make up for their deficiencies. What what overall grade would you give Quinn Cook for his performance?
2: Oh, for overall grade, I would give him an A because an A because he he I think him and Check definitely took the leadership role. This and they led by example. They they kept the Pelicans in every game. The win loss record won't say they played like they won one game, but still the New Orleans is in every game with a roster that doesn't have many. High heralded rookies on it, or young talent, and Quinn Cook and Diallo kept them and gave them a gave them a fighting chance in every game this summer league. One of the
0: problems uh, the Pelicans fans had with Drew Holiday towards the end of the season was uh, a couple of turnovers in crucial situations. Uh, the one that immediately springs to mind is against the Denver Nuggets. We were tied 131-131. to 131. Drew Holiday uh, basically just dribbled the ball off of his foot. Uh, I don't even know what happened. It's almost like he he thought his hand was going to be there to palm the ball, and his hand just didn't make it in time. And then on the ensuing possession, down by three, we had a chance to tie it and uh, he just threw an errant pass out of bounds. Uh, the reason I bring all this up is because Quinn Cook had similar instances this past week at Summer League. Th- does it bother you that he had these late-game turnovers?
2: No, because, like I said, I look at it, what are these guys going to play when the games matter? I don't think Quinn Cook is going to be handling the ball that often, or and especially in crunch time situations. So um you can you can factor in a lot of things like he's probably he's fatigued he played a lot of games he's played a lot of minutes and eventually defenses adjust to you cuz he, he he's the best perimeter guy on the floor i think you'd agree so he's being guarded like the best perimeter guy on the floor when it comes to the league that's not going to happen so that that's why those turnovers don't really those kind of turnovers don't really uh out to me as anything that's going to affect him when the games matter like we already know Quinn Cook isn't a great ball handler. That's like my biggest concern with him before was that I don't know how he really creates space. because He's not super quick and he's not a great, he's not the best ball handler, but he showcased that he's able to get space on step backs. He puts his body in the guys to get space and he can shoot over. He puts his body into you, gets space and can shoot over you and, and, and knock it down fairly efficiently. But it comes to those turnovers. I don't think it's going to factor because it's something that um, he's not really going to be in that situation all too often for it to matter.
0: Yeah, well, we have to walk away um, thinking Summer League was a success with the development of these two young guys. These guys are going to have to be role players. Right now, Quinn Cook is slated as our as our fifth offensive guard with uh, Rajan Rondo now in the fold. Uh, and that's unless, you know, we start moving some guards to the three position like a Jordan Crawford in those uh, small offensive lineups. But some other players who didn't impress too much, Axel Tupon. And uh, before we go into his overall game, um, I thought it was a bit curious that they, that they chose not to play him in the final game of the Summer League. Uh, Jamel McMillan sat he, Quinn Cook, and checked he and said he had seen everything he needed to see from those three players. However, Tupan uh, only shot 39% from the field. He was okay from three, six for 12, which is impressive, but um, only shot 12 the, the entire six games, averaged less than 10 points, uh, overall Like just lacked a, a aggressiveness, and... Uh, just didn't bully some of the guys who unfortunately probably aren't going to make it in the NBA were were you discouraged at his pro at his progress in these six games
2: um yes yes I am because uh he's a guy that New Orleans gave a look to and he was supposed to be a shooter coming out of the D League they gave him an unguaranteed contract for uh this upcoming season and he on he just didn't look like he had NBA ability yet. He you can see that he has some raw he has like the size. He he's a good size. He can but when it comes to actually putting it on the floor, he didn't really display a consistent skill set. He was he's a shooter that was to be fair, missing open threes. He shot four percentage. He he looked he looked like he was uh not strong enough to handle these summer league players, which is not a good sign because when you go to the, the NBA, they're stronger, they're bigger. And over, yeah actually Tupont, I'd be really surprised if um he he's on the ro- the main roster and it was really a disappointing showing from him I'm not sure like what anyone was really expecting like if we were expecting him to be great but he definitely doing, didn't do himself any favors with uh, his performance cuz it was disappointing
0: uh, make a prediction for me. The Pelicans don't have a lot of um, flexibility and free agency right now. And uh, Axel Tupon does have an unguaranteed contract, which is extremely valuable in this market because it can be offloaded for something else, a, a young player, maybe a trade exception or, uh, or that for what it's worth. Do you see his, the, the Pelicans lack of flexibility being harnessed to, to give him a spot to learn from the bench this season? Or do you think they try to offload his salary and try to get something in return?
2: Definitely the latter, because when it, like coupon, he really I don't I don't know what what you can see in him or what role he plays. He's not. I don't think he's a guy with like ocean potential. So if if you can get a better, there's, I think there's plenty of better guys available right now in free agency. I can't. I can name some off the top of my head in a little bit, but um, you can offload his salary very fairly easy. You get re- you can even waive him, and there's really. You're not going to lose much I don't, I don't think holding him on to a, as a 15th man or fourteenth, 13th man really add any value to your team because i'm not sure that he's a good player or has even potential of becoming a good player
0: all right i'm gonna just buzz through the the final players uh pretty quickly here Be, uh, one because i'm not too aware about their skill set and their success rate and uh what chance they have of making it next season. Some names I do want to bring up. Peter Jock didn't didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Uh, he was initially given five minutes, was a disaster in the first game, sat the entire second game. However, in the final game against the Denver Nuggets, Scrubs, he had 14 points in the first half, had uh, three three-pointers, uh, really impressive, a team-high 22 points, including five of 10 from three. We had Jalen Jones averaging 12 a game, had 21 in two of his last three games, and then you've got some some guys like Isaiah Cousins. Tell me, who else stood out to you, and who do you think gets a, a training camp invite? And, again, I failed to mention James Young as
2: well. I mean, James Young did not he disappointed, but I think he gets a training camp invite off of pedigree. He has experience in the NBA. He's still a guy that a lot of people think has potential to become a good player or a role player. So I think he'll be a guy that you see gets a training camp invite. Um, as far as the rest of Jalen uh, Jones, Isaiah Cousins, um, and Peter Jock, I I wanna say Peter Jock is an invite, but he got one he only played one game. So he's not I don't know if that some like it shows that the coaching staff really didn't think too high of him if they didn't want to give him um many minutes, except for that one game where Ashley Tupon, Check Diallo, and Quinn Cook played. He showed that hey, maybe I should have gotten more minutes in the summer league. I can shoot the ball, so maybe I want another look at him, Jalen Jones, and um, ah, he he played okay. He showcased a uh a, like a a shooting touch that I didn't know he had. He possessed, but it's hard for me to say that any of those guys get camp invite, especially Isaiah Cousins, because we just got Rondo, we have Drew, we have Quinn Cook. It's looking like the guard position is. It's pretty solidified, and I think you. I think New Orleans fills out this the rest of their roster down later on the late, line in the off season. So I don't know if there's room for many, for many, uh, camp invites.
0: And finally, finish us off by talking about Jamel McMillan for a while. Uh, he was our summer league head coach. He's one of the assistants to the New Orleans Pelicans, and he has been for five years since the the final year of Monty Williams. Tell us what impressed you most about him in these six games.
2: His what impressed me the most was his uh, his connection with the guys, the way he communicated. He was very, very much into the game. He motivated guys. He he got he would he would yell at check, yellow, if he missed rotation, and those guys listened to him. The way he he he, command, he commanded respect. He speaks with a uh, a charisma about him too. That uh like you 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 kind of see like this guy has a is a very bright guy. He's a guy you want to listen to. He's very smart. He he's educated. He in his post game interviews, he sounds very articulate. And he cares. He really cares. And I think that resonated with the players. Even in the summer league game, he's complaining about the referees not knowing their job. That matters. Like that stuff matters to the players. And I think the players that some of the players respect. And that and uh that, it really impressed me.
0: Awesome. Let's get over to some Rajon Rondo talk, shall we? Before we uh, talk about his on- and off-court uh, effect on this season, you you yourself mentioned a little bit earlier about how important Summer League is, not just from the on-court aspect of things, but from the general conversations. You've got agents, you've got GMs, you've got head coaches, you've got players, you've got USA Basketball. What you don't have are Dell Dumps and Alvin Gentry, who left three days before Summer League was over, to visit Rajan Rondo in his home in Louisville, were you surprised that the two of them, uh, you know, fled Summer League? Are you are you surprised that they couldn't wait an additional two days? I should ask.
2: Um, not surprised because because I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but it just kind of shows like they they really wanted Rondo. They or or maybe plans fell through. They felt like they had to just get this done quick because for whatever, like the Reggie Jackson deal may have fallen apart, the other just point point guards may have fallen apart. So they said, "Wait, we have to get a, we have to get this guy quick. We have to get a guard on this team because that looked like the priority since the offseason was adding another guard next to Drew Holiday. And once the options dried up, I think they realized they had to get Rondo done as quick as possible because I know Rondo has been talked in talks with the Lakers and uh, New Orleans couldn't i guess i felt like they couldn't afford to miss out on uh signing with john rondo
0: uh some of our new orleans beat writers like d scott alexander and david fish of bird rights they're really calling this a desperate move uh not just because like you said there's there's not a whole lot of other options but also because this is clearly something done to appease boogie boogie was said to have called him a a big brother and also uh proved a pivotal role in recruiting him, according to Scott Kushner. Does does this reek to you as a desperate move on appeasing their second superstar? Or do you think it was just right fit, right time, right place?
2: Definitely not right fit, not, no. I, I think it was definitely a desperate move. Uh, I'm not a big Rajon Rondo fan. I'm not a big fan of his fit on the team. Um, when it comes down to it, uh, I, I think this is what we have left. We're just gonna to try to make Boogie happy because we have we have really no other options to do so. We have to we have to get Rajon Rondo because it's it's gonna make my it's gonna make a, a superstar on your team happy, and it's it's probably the only option, only signing they could have gotten that would create a little bit of buzz because Rajon Rondo still has name value around the league. So I, it, I think yeah, it's just a case of this is this is our uh, we're back into a corner here. And we just have to get Rondo.
0: All right, let's let's end this on a positive note. Um, one of the things where John Rondo can do, although he hasn't done it in recent years, is play consistent shutdown uh, All NBA defense and pairing him up with Drew Holiday and Solomon Hill and Anthony Davis, who also made an all-NBA defensive team, that's that's pretty scary. Do you see the Pelicans unlocking his defensive potential with uh, his former coach Darren Ehrman of Boston? Do you see them getting the best out of Rondo, or do you think he slips into some of his uh, bad older habits from places like Dallas, Chicago, and Sacramento?
2: Well, you hit the nail on the head on that. That's sure what I was going to get into. Is Darren Ehrman. Darren Ehrman, if there's anybody that, that can unlock that uh... – that that rondo lockdown defender it's him we just haven't seen it enough in, the, in uh over the past couple of years like you said and the issue is like he he's older now so is it something that he can really go back to consistently and do on a consistent basis i have my doubts you saw glimpses of it in the playoffs this, this year against the boston celtics rondo he played phenomenal and he was a big Reason that the Bulls went up too 0 against the Celtics, and he he got hurt, and they didn't win another game. So you see these you see these flashes of of old Rondo, but it's just not consistent enough. And I think expecting it to be consistent at this point is uh, is just uh, wishful thinking. It's possible, but it's not something I would expect going into the season. So I would expect you're getting the Rondo that you've seen for the last four years. And if you get anything, if you get better, great. That's awesome. And before I want to say on the positive thing, I don't think this Rondo signing is like going to be detrimental to the team. It's not gonna. It's just not something that's going to really make them better. It doesn't make them worse. I think it's just a uh, lateral move that doesn't really uh, move the fence one way or the other.
0: Uh, speaking about Rajon Rondo and his fit, uh, I just want to briefly touch on something that Alvin Gentry said is that he prefers Drew Holiday as a, an off-ball guard. He he is impressed with his aggressiveness, and he literally said, uh, quote, I, I, I want his 16 to 17 points per game. Do you think the Pelicans are now pairing uh, Drew Holiday with Rajon Rondo, or do you think they're going to stagger the lineups and take turns running the offense?
2: Uh, I definitely see taking turns running the offense, and that's what I would hope. I would hope you paid Drew five years, one hundred twenty-six million to actually handle the ball and be the attacking guard that he is, and give him his chance with the ball. And I think, I think, I think you'll see that. Uh, Rondo with Chicago, he he split ball handling duties with Jimmy Butler last year, so it's something I think he can do too. And it's just. Uh, the main the main thing I see is, a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, the Pelicans paid Drew Holiday five years, $126 million, to sign a guy at the same position. Well, that's not necessarily true because you, you, that just shows you're misinformed. You're not informed on the team. Because like you said, Alvin Gentry views Holiday as a combo guard. Last year you saw Tim Frazier starting at the one and Drew Holiday at the two. And that lineup was fairly effective with, with it being Frazier, Holiday, Hill, Uh, Boogie and AD, but now you 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 take away Tim Frazier, who's also not a perimeter threat, a perimeter scoring threat, and replace him with Rondo, who's a better player. There's still hope for that lineup to be a good lineup.
0: All right, Charles. Last.
2: Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So I was like, it's just uh, that lineup, like the the Rondo. Rondo is, is a better player than Frazier, so like objectively, he's just a better player. And I'm not a I'm not a huge Rondo fan. But, so like there's just hope there for uh, pelican fans to that's something they can cling to.
0: All right, last question. The Pelicans were speculated as being a part of the, the Reggie Jackson trade last week, like we mentioned earlier, and a four-team trade with uh, Mello and the Suns, the Knicks, and the Houston Rockets. Uh, right now, everybody can pretty collectively agree that the Pelicans are still a couple of players' shorts of really competing for, not obviously not for the number one overall seed, but at least for a four or five seed. Right now, everybody has a stuck around the seven, eight mark, maybe even the nine mark. We're still a player or two short. Is there anyone specifically left on the market that you see the Pelicans uh targeting like an Aaron Aflalo, Tony Allen, Ian Clark, uh uh KJ McDaniels? What what do you have your eye on at this moment?
2: Ian Clark is the guy I would like. He provide he he's young, can get can improve and provides shoot provides good perimeter shooting and can defend the ball, has championship experience with the Warriors. And I think he he'd be a great addition to the bench and a guy who could spot start occasionally if there's injuries. A um, uh, follow on the minimum contract is is a good option because he can he can do anything really besides shoot. His defense is diminished. He's slower, but um, he's a guy that that'll be fine on the minimum contract. I think the best chance for the Pelicans, like we would make this off season like an A plus win, is and I think that's what they're trying to do is just dunk some of the guaranteed salary on the roster right now. Even if you have to take one bad contract in return, like say, for example, an Allen Crabb or Wesley Matthews or somebody with a huge contract, that's fine with me because one bad contract is easier to move than three. Right now, the Pelicans have about three bad contracts. Solomon Hill, who you're probably not moving for a while. Omar Asik, who is like arguably the worst contract in the NBA. Maybe him or Joakim Noah, you could argue it, but he's a really bad contract in Alex Jinka. And, oh, and a Quincy Pondexter, I guess, if you want to throw him in there because he hasn't played. But if you can get some of those contracts off the books, that's a win in my opinion. And if you can bring a guy in that can, that can shoot the ball, but he's not going to massive overpaid deal, that's fine. Because I think eventually that, that deal is easier to move than four or three bad contracts. So that's something I think that uh, New Orleans should explore doing.
0: Awesome work, Charles. Again, he is at C LaRocca Jr. on Twitter. You can find all of his work on Hoops Habit. Charles, plug yourself. What do you got coming up for us?
2: Um, I got an our analysis piece we're working on today about Rajon Rondo and his stay with the New Orleans Pelicans. And um, uh, I the uh, five takeaways from the New Orleans Pelicans Summer League. Awesome That's work, Charles. Sorry, you, I man. cut you off. What were you saying? Oh, no, I'm just saying that um, uh, th- those articles will be coming in the next couple of days. And uh, thank you for having me on the podcast. Always a pleasure.
0: Anytime, man. Love chatting with you. You are welcome here whenever you want to come. Just reach out and we'll do this again. Awesome stuff as always. And you guys, don't forget, once again, Hoops Habit. And that's at C. LaRocca, Jr. Charles, thank you, my man. Thank you, Preston. Uh, take care, man. Thank you to Charles. Again, don't go anywhere. Tomorrow, we have Keith Smith of Real GM. And Tuesday, we have Summer League head coach Jamel McMillan. But for now, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you guys soon. Let's go, pals.